Hello and welcome to the Conscious Leadership Podcast. My name is Julie Hogbin and I am the creator of the three weekly episodes that are produced. Wealth Wednesday, the A to Z of business on Friday and a longer content piece or interview on a Monday. If you like what you hear, please share this podcast if you think it would support and help somebody else. Hello, Conscious Leadership listeners. This Monday's episode is as a result of something that happened to me earlier on last week. I was at an event, it was a mastermind I was on, and something happened on stage that really made me want to get up and say something. Um, And it really wasn't the place to do that. But it has led me to a real deep thought process around what was going on for the individual, what was going on for the person they were on stage with, and resulted in me creating a poll on LinkedIn, which I'll tell you about. The person that was on stage went on stage for a coaching session. And the person who was doing the coaching session didn't pick up on what was said by the coachee, so the person that had volunteered. And for those of you that have listened to me before, you'll understand that my true belief and I know it is a belief of many, 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 many others, is that our internal being creates our external results. Which means how we talk, the words we use, the language we use, has an impact on us, both the internal voice, so the voice in our head, and our unconscious, and then the external voice that we put out into the world. And you can see that the external voice that spoke to the world has affected me and has created a response within me. It is your internal voice, so the voice that you hear in your head, you know that little voice that's now saying to you, what's she talking about? That voice. If you catch it, and I say if you catch it, which means you have to be conscious that it's talking to you because it will be an unconscious reaction, If you catch it when it's not serving you and do something with it, you can then change the results of your behaviours. You can change the behaviour to create a different result. And it's a positive intervention and action. Now, the voice we have in our head talks to us and we hear it. And very often it talks to us and we don't hear it because it's unconscious. We haven't learned how to hear it, to listen to it. And one of the keys to this is really, truly listening to what your inner voice is saying to you positively and negatively for good and for bad. And I will say it doesn't matter who you are, at what level of your personal development you are or your personal self-awareness. It still does it. It still talks to us. It goes really deep. Now, because of what happened on stage, I created the poll on LinkedIn and I actually used the words that were used on stage. And so far, it's had hundreds of responses and a hundred or more comments, which is actually quite unusual for my posts on LinkedIn. Some people are commenting and some people are just voting and not commenting. And the poll has three options. The first option were exactly the words that the woman used on stage, which is the world is effed. The second option 
is the world is a great place to be. And the third option was, I don't know. Interestingly, over half of the respondents of that poll have basically said that the world is effed. So the person on stage used the first word and I'm not going to use the full word. I don't generally swear. I have in the poll on LinkedIn. If you want to go and see it and read the comments, please do. It's really interesting for me. It's interesting. And by the time you hear this episode, the poll will have closed. But please go and have a read. If you think the world is effed, go and have a read because the comments will give you a different perspective. If you think the world is a great place to be, go and have a read. The comments are really good. And if you have no idea what the world is, go and have a read because it will give you a different perspective. Once the polls close, I'm going to do some more work on it. This this episode on the Conscious Leadership Podcast is because of um, what happened on stage. The poll is a response to what happened on stage. Uh, and I'm going to do some more art and work on it. I'll do an article or something. But basically, currently, more than 50% of the respondents actually have said the world is effed. About 40% have said the world's a great place to be. And about 8%-ish have basically said they just don't know. Which I find quite amazing, quite surprising that people are that extreme. And it shows you a real good snapshot of how the world is operating. So where are we? This is September 21. You know, we've had 18 months of change, of difference, lockdown, wherever we are in the world, wherever you're listening, what has gone on in the last 18, 20 months has changed how you have operated in the last period. So you've got people that think the world is effed. You've got people that think the world is a great place to be. And then some people have no real idea what they think to me, which, as I said earlier, was to me just incredible. Think about what you think. Anyway, that's the result of the poll so far. And it's a clear indication of who we are as human beings. And you can probably tell by my voice and by every episode that I've done before this, I actually think this world is a fabulous place to be. It's a fabulous place to, to live. And it's a fabulous place to create what it is that we want to create to put out into the world, whatever that might be for us. Now, that doesn't mean to say I'm eternally practical. That doesn't mean to say that there aren't issues with the world we live in. But my belief is that it's a good place. The world is a good place. What some humans do in the world may not be so good, but the world is a good place. So if my belief is that it's a good place to be, you can start to imagine my thought processes, my beliefs, my values on how I can impact and what I can do to make it an even better place to be for me, for others, for those I love, for business, whatever that might be. Now, if you think the world is effed, how is that going to affect what you do and what you put out into the world? How is that going to affect you, either your job if you're employed or your business if you're a business owner? How is that going to affect you if you're looking for a job or you're looking to start a business? How is that going to affect you if you're already running a business and that's your belief? Think about it. Because that's your internal being. It's your internal mechanism, your internal thoughts and beliefs. Now, it was said on stage. And I recognise that not everybody hears and listens and not everybody will recognise the impact of what was said. 
But the trainer, the coach on stage, the person didn't challenge the statement. Therefore, the person who said it still carries it without another perspective. And we all need challenge and support in equal measures to be the best version of ourselves that we can be, all of us. Now, what's happened since then? The poll's out, people are responding. And what happened this morning is that somebody has sent me an article, which is titled, We've Neglected the Role of Psychological Richness When Considering What Makes a Good Life. Two people have completed the study across nine different countries. Now, I'm not a psychologist by profession, and I am interested in psychology, and I use psychological psychology within my business of coaching, mentoring, teaching, and training, because who we are psycholo psychologically, if I could say the word, has a massive impact on what happens around us. So I looked up the definition of psychology, and it says, affecting or arising in the mind, related to the mental and emotional state of a person. Think about this. Your mental and emotional state is your psychological profile and it is exclusive to you. We're all different. We all have our own makeup. The more we understand our own makeup, the better off we will be because it creates and raises self-awareness. Now, I use psychological profiling tools as well. I'm qualified to use them. I'm trained to do them. And what they basically do is dig deeper than the surface level and digging deeper to see who you are and why you do what you do. And when we have that understanding, it really allows us to be more of who we are. It allows us to put more of us out into the world and to understand what it is that we put out into the world. Anybody wants to talk to me about this, send me a message. Um, I've got some great offers on currently. Um, and I What's my mission? Woman on a mission, creating conscious leaders globally. I want to help you do more of what you want to do. And knowing you and who you are will serve that mission for me. And of course, there are other people out there that do it as well. Psychology is the science of the mind and behavior. It links the mind to behavior and it includes studies of consciousness and unconscious phenomena. So how do we operate internally? Without knowing our unconscious, and when those things that are unconscious become conscious, understanding that is valuable. It's actually priceless, to be honest. So if you think about raising your unconscious to your conscious and understanding what that means, your results can change. Simple, says I. Let me tell you a little bit about this study. Um, and what it is that makes someone feels that theirs is a good life, because that's ultimately, I would expect, and I think, and it's a massive assumption going on here by me, is that we all want to live a good life. So if that is the case for you, listen on. And if you don't want to live a good life, turn off now. So the study was done by uh, two individuals and I'm going to apologise in advance if I don't get this name quite right, Shigirhiri Oshi from the University of Virginia and Erin Westgate from the University of Florida. And they have created this 
um, paper, this research. It's been printed in the Psychological Review. And it's all around what makes somebody feel that theirs is a good life. And of all the ideas put forward over the last few millennia, the two that are most often spoken about and researched is one, hedonistic well-being, which is interesting use of the word, but it's quite often simply referred to as happiness, which is characterised by um, plenty of positive emotions and general life satisfaction. And the other is eudaimonia, which is feeling that your life has meaning and that you are releasing, realising and releasing your potential. So how do they define a psychologically rich life? And they define that as being characterised by a, a variety of interesting and perspective changing experiences. Now, link that back to the woman on stage I spoke of earlier. Was her perspective changed or even challenged? Simple answer is no. Now, in this paper, the pair, Oshi and Westgate, present a vast array of initial evidence in favour of the idea that this concept belongs alongside happiness and meaning as a third major dimension of well-being. And they've done this across nine countries. And they, an early study, an initial study, covered 500 students. It was then expanded. The words that we're using were related to happiness, so enjoyable. Um, some were speaking about meaning as fulfilling. So they've equated words to a linked into the, the original meaning of the word. And some of what the researchers felt related positively or negatively to the notion of psychological richness. So they created their own definition. And this last group, so psychological richness, included words like interesting and dramatic, but also, because you do the positives and the negatives, uneventful and monotonous. monotonous. So the results suggested that happiness, meaning and richness are indeed three different and distinct factors. They also analysed the uh, words, adjectives used in a few hundred obituaries published in new newspapers in the US and Singapore. And again, their analysis showed that the words could be grouped into these three distinct dimensions. So words are really important. The words we use can never be underestimated, even looking at obituaries. Further studies found that the psychological richness, happiness and meaning also all show in distinct patterns of association with personality traits and socioeconomic status. And data from the participants in the US, India and Korea all suggested that the traits of openness and extroversion are both associated with leading a psychologically rich life. Now, because extroversion can have a a meaning for many people, I looked up the definition. And one of the definitions of extroversion is being socially confident. So extroversion is not all about being loud, which many people link to the word of being somebody who is extroverted is associated with somebody being loud. It doesn't mean that. It means about being socially confident which can also mean being silent. 
So think about that as a concept. Because psychological richness is associated with unexpectedness, novelty, complexity and perspective change, Ohio and Westgate reasoned that certain types of experience might enhance it. And what they found was that people who studied abroad, went abroad, experienced different cultures, that's me adding that bit in, because I know this to be true, developed significantly higher psychological richness scores than those that had stayed in one place. They'd stayed on campus, they'd stayed in their own country. They hadn't had that experience of different places, different cultures, different ways of living, different ways of being. And that didn't change people's scores for happiness and meaning. Um, so what it appeared then was that the aspects of personality and life experience can make up for a psychologically richer life. Further studies highlighted distinct links between each of the three factors and people's outlook more broadly. People who reported having a happy and meaningful life tended to report preferring to maintain social order and the status quo. They were more politically conservative. So think about what's been going on in the last period of time across the world. In contrast, those with psychologically richer lives were more in favour of social change. They were more politically liberal, which means they will be more open to alternate ideas. Now, of course, none of this establishes that anybody actually feels that a psychologically rich life is a good life. But when Oshie and Westgate asked participants from nine different countries to describe their ideal lives by choosing from a list of features associated with a happy, meaningful or psychologically rich life, overall, they chose elements from all three. When asked which they would go for, if they could only choose one type of life, most chose happy, meaningful come second, and psychologically rich came last. So think about, and this is for you to do, what do you want from your life? Do you want to be happy? How does that link to being meaningful? And then how does that link to becoming psychologically rich? If we have the three, we will be a more rounded. And dare I say, I don't know what I want to say about this. I'm going to say more rounded because for me, it's the three. You will decide. So do we go for happy first? And what does happy mean? What does happy really mean for you? Do we then add into our life meaningful? And what does meaningful really mean for you? And then combine the two. And then do we go to and look at what is psychologically rich? So expanding and then link that, that to the three. So we get the three. We become rounded within our own being. And here's the interesting part. The research covered all, all three areas and there was a substantial, substantial minority. So a minority of participants 
ranging from 7% in Singapore to 17% in Germany, different cultures, different ways of being, different norms in those two countries. And this is the bit, who would opt for a psychologically rich life above a happy or a meaningful one. So for that group, that most defines a good life for them, which sort of comes back to the fact we are all different and recognising that is a great place to be. We do not all think and operate and behave the same and we cannot expect everybody around us to behave the same and believe what we do. Feeling happy and that your life has meaning are both associated with better health and better relationships. Just sort of makes sense, doesn't it? There's a lot of research on the health aspect of how our emotions affect our health and of course our emotions affect our relationships. But why should somebody desire psychological richness? And I had not thought about this until I read this article and it's triggered so many thoughts. From an evolutionary perspective, some people will cope better in more difficult and changing environments. And for an individual, a desire for psychological richness can protect against boredom. So how do we bring that into our working environment? How do we bring that into our life? If anybody listening to this is bored, think about how you can enrich your psychological um, richness. And the researchers also have suggested that it would also help people to cope with difficulties in life and even tragedy because they will be able to look at things from different perspectives. And someone who values the perspective change that a difficulty can bring may find value in experiences and lives that are otherwise not happy or meaningful. This is a really interesting piece of work. Oshie and Westgate stress that they're not suggesting that psychological richness, happiness and meaning are wholly independent of each other, or indeed they are the only three components of a good life. There could be more. They also readily concede that a lot more work is needed to better understand the importance of psychological richness. Completely get that. It's already triggering so many thoughts in my head. However, the finding that a significant cluster of people from a variety of countries would rather have a psychologically rich life than a happy or meaningful one alone surely makes it worthy of much more attention. I'll agree with that. Overall, the pair argues the addition of psychological richness broadens, deepens and enriches creating a good life. How interesting is this as a concept? I love it. Absolutely love it. And I'm going to end this episode with just thinking about Aikigai. Now, I know it's becoming more popular over here in, in the Western world. Um, it's something that the Japanese um, have been thinking about and doing for a millennium. And it's the Japanese, Aikigai is the Japanese for a secret to a long and happy life for them. And it's a combination of four things. So Aikigai is... is Doing what you are good at. And doing what you are good at generally means it's what you love. Now, if you do what you're good at and what you love, 
and then you link it into the, something that you can be paid for and then you link those three, so what you love, what you're good at and what you can be paid for into something that the world needs, you've got your Ikea guy. So what you love and what you're good at is your passion. What you love and what the world needs is your mission. What the world needs and what you can be paid for is a vocation. And what you're good at and what you can be paid for is a profession. Now you can have one or two of those. You can have one, two or three of those or you can have all four. And if you have all four together, you have what the Japanese call Aikigai. A reason to jump out of bed every morning. It becomes your driver because you're doing what you're good at, what you love, what the world needs and what you can be paid for. So you get all four things and there is never any reason that anybody cannot have all four of those. Now, it might need some change. It may need some thinking about. It may need some digging. But if we have all four of those and then we really think about the psychological richness that we have and being challenged and challenging ourselves and challenging others with the support that we all need. We need support and challenge in equal measure to live the life that we can lead. Now, all of this has come from somebody saying something on stage at an event one day last week. It has really triggered thoughts in my own head around how do we do this? How do people who maybe don't have all four, maybe aren't happy, maybe aren't doing something they find meaningful, maybe aren't being challenged by those around them so they don't have that psychological richness. How do we make that happen? Now, if anybody wants any help with any of this, please reach out and contact me. I can help you with this. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Conscious Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, please contact me on any one of the social media channels. I'm on most of them, including Clubhouse and YouTube, and my books are on Amazon. If you would like a topic discussed, please tell me. And if you have found this information useful, please share and please leave a review.